So, hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to, uh, to wherever you are in the world. Welcome to this edition of the Inside Out Effect podcast, the now self-proclaimed number one global podcast uh, on Saturday evening at 5pm. And today we have a very special episode. Uh, this is episode 22. And the topic of the episode is uh, how to live and cope with ADHD with our special and lovely guest, uh, Jackie Rand. So hello, Jackie. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, great. And, but before I introduce Jackie, I'd like to welcome all of our viewers on Facebook and to all of the people that's listening on uh, YouTube um, and all the other podcast platforms that we're on. So hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. And so before, without further any ado, uh, I would like to introduce our team today. Uh, so to my left... I've got our very special guest, Jackie Rands. Um, she's the lovely and the luscious Jackie, who is going to share everything uh, about her journey and um, what she's learned thus far living with and coping with a child which was diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. So we're going to go into that. That's the topic of the podcast uh, for, this, uh, for this issue. And to my right... Um, well, before I say that, both of us would like to thank you for joining us. Right, you know, you. so I don't want to thank her. You don't want to thank her. You well, no, I don't want to thank her. I'll thank you from oh. the both yeah, of us. You're, like, you're always so much nicer than me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you mean he's more nicer than me? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a lovely guy. Are you? Yeah. Are you a lovely guy? Um, um, yeah. Are we good cop, bad cop? Are you um, a good cop? You're not bad cop. I don't know if I've done it's ever been a good cop. No, I was going to say, not your background, you haven't. No, exactly. Seriously, but it just shows what's possible. What that you can be a good cop. I'll take from a bad cop to good cop. <laughs> I prefer just bad cop, I've got to be honest. It's like Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, right, okay, so no, anyway, so we'd both like to thank you for joining us and, yes, uh, and to come and share well, your welcome. story. Well, welcome. He'll thank you and I'll welcome you. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, coming to share your story today and uh, so all the viewers. I just want to say as well, is because obviously I've got Jackie here and Jonathan here and we're going to be talking. If you do have or raise any questions, we won't probably interact during the podcast because we're going to get into the, the, the information. We won't really want you to get into the information. But if you do have any uh, uh, questions, then maybe if we can get them, I'll answer at the end of the end of the, the, the session. What so. Steve's really saying is we're men and we can't multitask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speak for um, yourself, mate. Uh, speak for yourself. But anyway, okay, so, uh, and to my right... So he's already poked his nose in, but he is the co-host and uh, he's my business partner. He's the creator of the DTO system. He's also co-founder of the Inside Out Effect with myself. And he's also author of the book, Decoding Pain, The Emotional Blueprint to Healing Chronic Pain. And I have the remarkable and the robust Jonathan Shores. The robust. The robust. That's not in the script. It said remarkable. You didn't put robust. Wow. In the, you've added that I've in. I've added that in. That makes me sound... Robust. Robust. Yes. That's, in fact, I can't say what that makes me sound because politically correct these days you can't say anything. Well, wow. that makes me sound... You can say whatever you like. Chunky. It's, 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 their, it's their response that's it the It is their response that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. um, so I, I, I'll, tell, I'll, go, I'll go with robust. That's yeah. fine. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? I'm really great, mate. And so yeah. before I'd like to start... Uh, before we go, to, go uh, start talking with Jackie... Um, I would like to. Um, oh, hang on, look at this. Look. Someone bloody messages me halfway through. Right, sorry about that. I uh, had a message on the on the camera. So anyway, yeah. So we're going to start again. Oh, rewind. No, don't start again. Yeah. Just so start from where you left so off. before I start, I'd like to bring in Jonathan. How are you, my friend? I'm very well. How have you, you been? And have you had any? Have you got any recent successes that you'd like to share with our viewers that are watching uh, the podcast? And uh, any successes you want to share with the listeners? So crack uh, on. Uh, yeah, I've been oh, super busy still, really, really busy. I'm, I'm attracting, um, uh, I'm treating a lot of people going through divorces and separations at the moment. 
I'm treating a lot of women who are struggling to, to work through and get through the emotional upheaval uh, of a divorce or a separation. And I seem to be attracting quite a few of those at the moment. Because obviously it's a very hard thing to do. It's a very hard process to go through. And you're naturally going to have emotional responses, but you don't need to have the responses that you might be having. Uh, a lot of it is just triggers from the partner. And I will say it's not just women. I've treated men going through it as well recently as well, them going through the separation, because it creates a lot of depression in men. Uh, separation from your partner creates massive depression, especially if there's kids involved. And for women, it creates a lot of overwhelm and a lot of anxiety uh, about dealing with the ex-partner, dealing with the kids, dealing with the situation. And um, I've treated a few people recently and they've come through it much quicker, much easier than they would have done if they didn't have the triggers switched off or the yeah. emotional responses switched off. It doesn't mean it's not hard and it's not something you need to go through, but you can reduce that by switching off the triggers. And, and a lot of the people were struggling to move forwards. Uh, I remember last year there was, a, there was a South African guy and he was really struggling to move forwards with the situation because he had all this information in his head. He was trying to work out what to do and how to solve it in his head mm. and the best way to do it and how to have the conversations. And all of that thought process in his head really stopped him from moving forwards and yeah. taking the right action. Yeah. So as soon as we switched all that off, <laughs> the conversations just came up naturally and he moved forwards. He was able to move out. And ironically, well, not ironically, because it's law of attraction, but um, the wife actually felt the same way and they mm. eventually separated and it was okay. Um, but so I'm treating a lot of that at the moment, so I've had quite a few successes with that. I think as well, um, I mean, just from my own experience, I stayed in a relationship far too long yes. that I should have done and actually done damage. Looking back, it probably done, it didn't help my children in any way, shape yeah. or form. But I was, thought I was doing the, the right thing and the yeah. honourable thing, but I stayed there and it actually worked out that I... That it worked out to my detriment and probably today. So, you know, I think sometimes we do stay because, you know... It's all around it's, your beliefs, isn't it? It's all around your beliefs, exactly yeah. what yeah. you should do and how you should be. And I yeah. think that... I think we're starting to come out of that now a little bit more and we're starting to become aware of we're no longer doing things or being with things or that don't serve us anymore. Yeah. And because it does stop it does stop growth it does stop you living a happy life and then you, all of a sudden your life can get really tainted as well and you can end up sort of just existing rather than actually yeah. living and, yeah, and experiencing exactly. but but anyway yeah so I just thought I'd just add that mate so. no it's not something I've ever been through a divorce or anything like that or separation so I, I've never told I'm not an expert in relationships believe me uh, but uh, I is do anybody? know how to well I don't think anyone is <laughs> these days but I do know how to clear trauma yeah. and what triggers and what people are going through so that's yeah. all I was doing I don't give life advice or anything like that I just switch off the triggers and the emotions the person's going through so they can cope much, much better with yeah. the situation that's unfolding and cope much better with a partner that, mm -hmm. that might be causing problems or not causing problems and cope with the way the kids are handling as yeah. well. And I've, you know, I've um, also been treating a, a kid who's been going through similar and it was causing him different types of problems and I've treated him and he's doing remarkably well and coming through it you know, with flying colours and coping really well. Yeah. Uh, and the other the other <laughs> thing I want to mention is I did treat a lady totally separate from separation. I had this amazing lady come and see me, and she came to me. When we met, she had loads, a list of things she wanted to deal with, and then when she came for a session, uh, none of those things she wanted to deal with, something else came up, and it was intimacy with her partner. She wanted to be more intimate. She'd lost the intimacy. She couldn't stand him coming near her and kissing her for some reason, and she didn't want to be like that, but she didn't know why she was like that. Yeah. And she had a multitude of other symptoms, so we switched a lot of that off. So now he can, they can cuddle and they can be intimate together and kiss and they're absolutely fine now. But what that enabled them to do was talk more. So they started talking more. And one of the other problems that she had was she was getting um, 
sweats. She was sweating mm-hmm. profusely at night. And literally in the morning she'd wake up, she'd be dripping wet. And she'd been doing this for years. And she was told it was a menstrual cycle because, or menopause or whatever it was, because that's what everyone gets told. Yeah. And, um, and from my point of view, I know there's a conflict attached to that. Uh, not my expertise, but I knew what a conflict was. And I made a note of what it was. I didn't really discuss it with her at the time. I just made a note. And I, I, I just said to her, you know, where are you feeling trapped in your life? She said, oh, well, she said, I've been thinking about moving and we can't move. I have got the money and blah, blah, blah. And I met, it was a side note. I just left it. And after a few weeks of clearing the intimacy stuff, she had a conversation with her husband, just randomly, got together, and they had a conversation about moving. And they decided they didn't need to move anymore. And it wasn't a problem. And so the money wasn't an issue. They're not going to move. And so she relaxed. And she came to me about a week after, and she told me the story. And I said to her, so just out of interest, have you had the sweats? Sweat, and she yeah. stopped and went, no, I haven't had them for five days. They just completely switched off. And I saw a two weeks, uh, last week, two weeks gone, not since. All because she just felt trapped within that scenario. Yeah. Now, I, you, I didn't do any switching off because she's changed the environmental situation. Uh, but it was just really funny that she hadn't realised that they'd switched off because of that that yeah. was that, that thing she was going through. Um, so all of those things, uh, all, any symptom that we have is not necessarily what we've been taught uh, so any symptom that women go through is not necessarily what we've been taught is going. It's actually exactly. a, a response, a biological response going on to a situation in our environment. And yeah. once you understand yeah. that, change it, the symptom goes away. Yeah. But I thought that was fascinating um, because it's not something I work with regular, but to see the change. See the change, yeah, you know, She can wake up now and be normal and fine. Yeah. So, And again, that would stop intimacy, wouldn't it, really, if you're, yeah. if you're sweating all night long. So I don't know. That's what normally happens to me after intimacy. But, is that uh, like, yeah. okay. Well, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that was too much information, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, is I've it? I've got to be honest. Is it? It was really? too much information. I mean, I know you well, but do the viewers they do really now. want to know that about <laughs> they you? They do now. They do now. Yeah, right. Too late. That, maybe that's too, late. Miss, too late. Too late. Too late. Can't too late. Can't turn back time. No, I've got the law in. Anyway, right, carry on. So that was me. How are you? Well, you've had some really good successes. Yeah, I've had a couple of uh, great... Well, there's three things that I want to talk about. Oh, three things. Something actually that I didn't... So it was a seven, I've got a 78-year-old lady. She spent actually... She's a 70... Not you're sweating, she, <laughs> <laughs> what? She's, so she's 78 years old. You can't take that back. No, I can't take, can't that, take that back. That Sorry. Back. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I had a 78-year-old lady contact me last week. Um, she has been diagnosed with, or she sort of self-diagnosed herself with fibromyalgia, but that's what she believes. She's in a lot of pain, and um, and so obviously knowing what I know, I know that most of that is all emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, so I had a conversation with her, and she basically said, "I want, I, I want to, I want to, I, want to, I, want to I really want to work with you. I really want to work with you." And I just wanted to mention that because if there's a, a woman who's seventy-eight years old, she spent, I think she spent forty years. In personal development, thought she'd solved all of her problems. Then as she got older, realised that all of the stuff that she'd done in personal development had sort of not really worked for her in terms of... It sort of improved her environment, but hadn't really worked for her at all. And so she watched our last podcast, uh, reached out to me. She reached out to me and said... I've watched the podcast, I've just come to realise that actually I've not actually solved any of my problems. And I'm like, no. So without being rude, no. So anyway, so she's 78. 
she's now starting her journey with me at 78 oh, years I old. And I think that's just an amazing story that it's never too late. Yeah. No, 78 years old. Is, most people age that are too late for me yeah. to change. Too late. Oh, I'm too people old to change. People are doing that at 40, let alone 78. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's too late, too late and I am who I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll change it. Yeah. That's a really good impression there. Is that, is that what you're going to be like <laughs> when, you're, when you're 80? I don't know. Right. But yeah. that's, that's the response I get from a lot of people. No, they do. They say they, they it's too old to change, no point, and it's re- which, so is more, which is more beliefs. Yeah, it's more beliefs. Yeah, which we spoke about last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Right, so you had that. So what? So I had that. Two other people. Uh, so I had two other people. So there's a young lad that's been coming to see me. Now he's on his fourth session with me, um, and now uh, I don't want to obviously tell too much about information, but he was involved in sort of the gang scene. He ended up getting uh, got into a very dangerous situation. Uh, caused a lot of harm, went to prison, come out, stuck in it, and his whole programme is around being brought up in that environment. But he knows now that after going to prison that actually he doesn't want that anymore, but he doesn't know how to escape the whole situation yeah. because mum's programmed in it, in, him into it. He was basically encouraged by the mother to sell drugs because he could make loads of money and all the rest of it. So he's in that and that's his programme. So he can't really see a way out because... It's been validated that it's okay to do that. Yeah. And so he ends up getting involved with all the wrong people and then ends up getting into trouble, goes to prison, comes out. So so anyway, he comes, starts coming to see me and he said, oh, my, friend tells, my friend's dad's helping you, can help me. I said, yep. I said, what is it you actually want? What is it you want to achieve in your life? Where is it you want to go? What do you want to have? And he said, well, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the drugs. I don't want to sell the drugs. I don't, but I can't stop myself. So anyway, so I've gone into all his beliefs and all of the programming that he's got inside of his head and all of the guilt and the shame about the selling of the drugs and the, the, the crimes he's committed. And within four weeks, he's now completely, completely out of the group. He now no longer has any urge to sell drugs. I know that for a fact because I've cleared that. He's now working full time and he's now got himself a suit. And he's also taken on all the learnings that I do in the coaching and gone on. In my world, that's what he, yeah, that's yeah. what suit is. Yeah, yeah. so he's 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 he's, he's got himself a suit and he's now cracking on in just four sessions, his whole life has completely turned around and he's no longer in that. And there was a like there were some really bad instances and instances of where, you know, he nearly got stabbed. And so he was attacked and mugged. And so I switched. I've seen four weeks, I managed to switch all of that off for him. And now wow. he's no longer got that in his life. And now he's flying. And he's, there's a whole detachment from it. He's no, you know, he's no longer triggered in, or has any thoughts about doing or going back to that life. So well done, you young man. Really, really proud of you, mate. Yes. And, uh, well done. and so I'm really proud of being able to help this guy in a very short period of time literally change his life yeah. and go on to do great things. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people to get out of that whole drug scene. And yeah. It's very difficult I was to get out of that. Um, for a little while. And yeah. uh, so anyone who can actually master that. And, yeah, and well done to them. So, well, it's yeah. amazing to get out of that. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, so I'm well really, I'm really brilliant. proud of that, and he's, and he's going on to better and greater things. And then obviously, um, well not obviously, but just recently there was a tragic incident at a local pub near us where someone uh, got uh, fatally injured. And uh, it's uh, a big shock to everybody, really, because you don't expect it to happen on your doorstep. No. But um, and so you know, anybody that's watching is associated with the family of the, of the kids that got involved, and we, yeah, our hearts go out to you, and, you know, and uh, our thoughts are with you. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's a group of guys uh, that were sort of in that were on the receiving end or part of it, and one of the mothers come to me, and she was absolutely traumatized because her 
her one of her boys was involved in that group mm. and she was absolutely just smashed to bits because you just thought well, it could have been my son yeah. and all the rest of it so I know from from her parents perspective and yeah. your friends with that situation and so the mother was in an absolute mess and um, so she had all the images all she'd created all these imaginary images of us happening to her son I mean the, the conversations that she's having she's she feels helpless because she's in so much shock that she can't help her son and so that's the problem so anyway she comes to me uh and i get to you know obviously have a, have a conversation with her i get to the bottom of the problem and i'd say within about an hour i'd switched off i got rid of all of the stuff in her head about the images the sounds the stuff she'd made up all of the guilt all of the shame all of the worry the whole lot and as soon as she as soon as I got rid of that last little bit, she could see her, the relief leave her body. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, thank you so much. She got up, give me a hug. And she goes, you know what? I now feel like I'm in a position where I can now support my boy or support the lad. Because up to that point, she couldn't do anything because yeah. she was so messed up about the whole thing that every time that he would contact her on the phone or reach out to her, she couldn't deal, she couldn't function. Mm. And it consumed her for the whole week. It literally just consumed her for the whole week couldn't do a thing and so I'm really grateful again and happy that I was able to to sort of have some positive influence on because that guy need the young lad needs support right now but if he can't get it because they're in the impact of it then it's, it's a lose-lose so yeah. to be able to help that mother now get rid of it all um you know one of the things was she was guilty for not feeling bad mm. she felt guilty for not feeling guilty and I'm like, well, how's that helping you? Oh, I need to feel bad because it's terrible. And yeah, but that's now keeping you. So once I got rid of that guilt, she could then see that she didn't need to feel guilty or feel bad about what had actually happened because it actually wasn't helping the situation herself or the outcome. Once I took that guilt off, she was then open to then getting rid of all the other responses. Now she's in a position of strength to help and support yeah. that child. So yeah, yeah. So that was... And that's that really, was a really good success for me. You know, that was amazing. But that's yeah. really important. A lot of people, they want to support their family members and they want to support their kids, but they traumatise themselves. Mm -hmm. You can't support someone when you're traumatised. Yeah. And I try and encourage people, always, always switch off the trauma because then you can be there for other people, yeah. but you can't when you're traumatised. Yeah. When you're going through shit yourself, you're not going to be there fully for other people. And if you try, you're just going to get re-triggered and so you're going to end up going away traumatised yourself. That's, that's actually rife at the moment because of social media. And, you know, it's so easily accessible to find these pieces of news where a kid's been stabbed or, you know, there's these gang, rival gangs, and now people are terrified to let their kids out. Yeah. Right, because yeah. something's yeah. going to happen to them, yeah. you know. So it goes yeah. around a lot. Yeah. And it's it's really sad from a, a, a perspective, a, a meta perspective. The gang thing, it's a territory issue. It's a massive territory yeah. issue for men, and that's all it is. It's just a territory issue, and men are reacting to something in the territory which means nothing yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know they they're reacting masculine. Their masculine energy is coming out to a territory issue as if their territory has been crossed, yeah. and they don't recognise. The thing that is, it's not happening. even their territory. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not. Even, the and that's, that's it's the not even it's their... no one's territory. Yeah, and we do it all the time. Wars are started over territory. Yeah, we don't actually own anything. Yeah. So. To fight over territory when we don't actually really own anything yeah. is kind of insane. A man's territorial issue is to protect his territory, mm. but not own his territory. Yeah. A man's territory is to protect maybe his partner, yeah. but not own his partner. Mm. A man's territory would protect his kids or his four walls, but not to own. Mm. And we men have really mixed up this territory issue where it's up, it's, oh, we own it. Yeah. 
No, we don't own it. Whatever it is, it's just to protect it. Yeah, but it's all, it doesn't always need protection. It's also about image and ego as well, <laughs> it is, and it's yeah. about that as well. And the problem is, is that um, it's fueled by social media, by um, hero stuff, yeah. TV, newspapers. It's glamour. It's it's it glamorised in the films oh, to yeah. be a gangster. Oh no, the craze, don't I? Yeah. And they they glamorise it. You know, you've even got a geezer yeah. going bit three six five, bit responsibly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's in all the gangster films. So, so but yeah. you know, yeah. but you know, I'm not. Yeah, it's it's all about image and uh, and uh, an ego and um, and that ultimately is causing people to lose. Because actually, no one really cares about your image or ego. It's all it's all internal with yourself. It's a it's no, a self thing, isn't it? They care about their image and ego. They don't care about anyone else's. No, giving anyone else's. Everyone's so busy worrying about their own image and ego. They yeah. don't care about your yeah. one. So yeah. what's the? But everyone thinks that yeah. people do, yeah. especially with the invention of because it's respect, bro. Say social media. Yeah. You get respect, bro. That way. Do I? Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, so anyway, so have it's you got anything you want to add, to Jackie, before we move on? And um, um, no, I just think it's amazing what you guys do. So yeah. And, and we didn't pay to say that. I've got to be honest. Um, we probably have to now, and we weren't aware we'd have to, but we didn't pay. You got any change? <laughs> Hang on, there's a change on the side there. Oh uh, yeah. You got change of two p? Yeah. What? Got a cut of quick. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to play that much. Right, so... <laughs> okay. What? Great. Anything else to add? Sorry, guys. Um, no, I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, I come from the East End and my kids grew up in the East End yeah. and it was really, like, hard, you know, it was, mm. like, sort of teaching them, you know, right and wrong and stay away from gangs. And, but it's hard, you know, and those kids have got nothing else. You know, they... they one of the reasons when I moved to Essex was because it was so open, you know, so open, so much land everywhere, it was so open. And when you go to the East End, it's so closed in, and mm. there's, you know, everywhere there's a blade of grass, they're building something. Yeah. yeah. And they're taking everything away from the kids. They've got nowhere to hang around. They've no. got nowhere to go. They've got nothing of their own. Mm. So I think that's why they're claiming they're this claim piece territory. of area. Yeah, this yeah. is our, our land because everything's been taken away from them. They've got nothing. Yeah. So when I came here, it's like, wow, look at the kids. They've got so much space. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you really see it now. If I go back to London now, I really see how claustrophobic it is. And these yeah. kids are just caged in. Yeah. And I think that's what the problem is. There's nothing for them. There's nothing, there's nothing for them to do. No. So they get bored. So then, yeah. they, then they get angry. Yeah. They get mad. And that's, yeah. a, that's a territory itself. They see no future. Stuck. There's no future. You know, there's no there. jobs. No, um, that's right. So they're angry. They're angry yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally get a lot of it. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's just about how we deal with that. Mm, yeah, no, it's it's and it, a lot of it is in the mindset. You know how you it's not te- if the people go on about teaching people to do this, this, and this. You've got to change the mindset first, yeah. otherwise it won't change. Don't yeah. care what you do. You've got to change the mindset of adults, of kids, of government. You've got to change the yeah, mindset front end programming of the person it who's going it through it. So, so you know, like when you've got kids who are in that situation, you know, if you. I can't imagine what it must be like to grow up in a crack house. You know, I can't imagine a child being in that scenario and growing up with that and seeing everyone on drugs and, you know, alcoholics and, you know, they don't go to school and they're not properly... I can't imagine that. But there is nowhere for that kid to go to get help. No, there's nothing. Right. No, you know, at school they're kind of shoved to one side. Nobody wants to know them at no. school. Well, this goes back to work. the young lad that I had earlier on because he's exactly, brought up in that yeah. environment. Now, the great thing about it is, is that I sort of know. Well, I don't sort of know. I know his dad, and he's reached out to me and said, "Look, yeah. 
I'm going to trust him. You know, I'm sure you can do. I've been following you. You can do it. And honestly, four weeks, his whole life. I mean, yeah. his dad's on the phone. I can't believe how quickly I've turned, been able to change, turn his life around. But but it does come from that. Yeah, it is. And it's but, from that but background. society, I think, is so quick to write these kids off. Yeah. You know, it's trouble and um, they're not worth it. It's, mm. But I really don't understand where they've come from. And they, they, they don't see chances. You know, they're not made aware of how they can improve themselves until like they'll meet someone like you and then they realise where it's all come from why they think that they can't have anything other than what they've been brought up with one of the things one of the things that worked in my last session which really opened his eyes was we spoke in the last episode about filters okay and I said to him that basically you've got a filter You've got a red filter, which you view the world. It's a really bad place. You've got to be like this. You've got to have money. You've got to have. You've got to be seen. You've got to this skin of this. And the world's a bad place, and it's dangerous. And you've got to, you've got to hustle and fight away. Or you can put the green filter and go. Do you know what? It's amazing out there. It's full of opportunities. There's loads of really good people out there. If I like set the intention to do something to achieve something good, I will see it through that filter. Because all the time you've got the subconscious. Look, it will just go and find it. Whatever your radar is set to, you'll go and find it. Yeah. So once I got into changed his radar from it being a, a life where it looks or is like that to what it really is, all of a sudden you could just see him go, oh my God, just yeah. by just a shift in perspective. All he needed was a shift in perspective to realise that he was seeing the world through this, through this filter of what he believed the world is and how it should be. But once you changed it, now the opportunities presented themselves naturally because yeah. they're always there. It's just that when, you, it's, when you've got the filter on, you can't see them. Yeah. They're, big, they're invisible. Take the filter away and then which they is, appear. Which is very much what happened to my son. So, you know, so what we're getting on to now, when we're talking about ADHD, because, yeah. because I was told he had ADHD and this is what was creating it all, I've then fed that to him over yeah. the years, you know, mm. completely unaware of what I was doing. Um, but that's how it kind of all started for him. And, we, you know, when I come to the end of the story, I'll, I'll explain that. But it, it's very much in the same way when, when, you're, when you're told your child's got ADHD, you go, right, what do I do? And they say, we'll do all this. And so you do all this. Yeah. But all of this is rubbish, really. And, yeah. and it was just keeping him going. It was keeping him believing that there was nothing he could do about this ADHD. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the problem. A lot of people just think there's nothing can be done about anything, so we didn't fall into this yeah. trap. But as you so nicely segue yeah, in, it was very good, excellent, excellent segue in there. Um, uh, you're pro, clearly. Yeah, um, you're pro. And uh, then tell us, tell us like your story. What what start? I well, know we got I some mean, questions. I mean, when he was diagnosed but... with ADHD, it was nine. When he was born in 1986, Lee. So there was no internet, there was nothing like Facebook or social media, anything like that. So he was a screamer from birth. He would scream. And I knew instantly something was wrong with him because I, he was my third child. So I wasn't like a new mum, he was neurotic. Yeah. You know, he... You've been cried, through that, you've been through yeah, it. he cried all the time and I thought, mm. this is not normal. Mm. So, you know, goes back to my doctor and said, something's wrong, you know, he's just crying all the time and... And they said, oh, you know, give him a week and it will settle into his environment. Mm. And um, I knew that was rubbish. You know, I was like, no, no, he's not, you know. And he was just screaming. Um, like, it was, it got so bad. With If he went asleep, which was rare, I was lucky if he slept three hours a day. Mm. So, you, you know, you're getting up at sort of seven o'clock in the morning and you're looking after three little ones and they was all under five. So, you know, it's hard graft. And then... Six o'clock in the evening, he'd wake up for a feed, and then he wouldn't go back to sleep till four in the morning. Mm. And that was every night. So you get to the point where it got to a stage where my two little ones, I could hear them whispering to one another, going, Don't wake that baby. And I thought, Oh my God, what am I doing to them? 
you know, I'm showing them not to make noise around babies, you know. So um, I went back to my doctor, said, there's definitely something wrong. He's just screaming. He's, he's, He's in pain. I can feel it. He's in pain. I know this is pain. This is not a normal cry. So they sent me to the hospital, see a paediatrician, did all the tests. And I, and I remember it really clearly. I was in a corridor in a hospital and he and he's came out and he said, you've just got a miserable baby. And I said... <laughs> Are you what? what? Is this what he said, said to you? You've he's just got... Miserable. Miserable. No, miserable There's nothing baby. wrong with this baby. He's just miserable. Oh, my God. And I said, a baby's not born miserable. And so he, are these experts, mate. These yeah. so I keep going on about. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. And so I took him home and you're left with that. You know, he's like... What's the point in going back to the doctor? There's, no, yeah. there's nowhere I can go with this baby. So, you know, I couldn't even, you know, go to the library and I was reading up on screaming babies. and But there really was no information around it, that, not that I came across. Mm. And my, you know, my whole, whole upbringing was doctors. You know, my mum would always go to the doctor and yeah. it was, there was never any, like, natural solutions <coughs> or, you know, energy heat, you know, nothing like that was around no. in, that, in that day and age. So it was always the doctor was the only thing you had. So I kept going back. So, I mean, I drove my doctor insane. I was like, something's wrong with this baby, something's wrong. Um, and then it, it, that's all I got. I'm really sorry, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. And that went on until he was about four. And then he went to school, and it was the school that actually said to me, something's wrong. <laughs> and, Brilliant. Um, so the school, not the doctors, the school yeah. diagnosed something wrong. Something is wrong. Brilliant. And it was, uh, he had an Australian teacher who um, had a, a sister who was autistic. Right. And she said, he has traits of autism. And I said, what's that? And she explained a little bit about what it, what it was, and he was displaying all these traits of it. And so, you know, I went back to the doctor again and they sent me to this family consultation and every, we used to have to go every month and it would be, be me and three kids and, a, you know, double-sided mirror and mm. they'd be watching you interact with your children. And then the second I left the room, he would be biting someone, pinching someone, you know, really spiteful. He was really disruptive at the time. You couldn't take him anywhere. Mm. Like, you know, if I brought him around here, we'd be looking in absolutely everything, pulling everything out, being... Like a little tornado, you couldn't stop him. Mm. Um, oh, for God's sake. So... I'm just going to move this round a little because you're struggling. Oh, oh we're back, folks. <laughs> we're having a bit of technology troubles today, aren't we? Technology issues. That's and it. So, you're in the picture now, better. Yeah, so we went there every month for about a year and um, get to the end of that year, and they said, he's, he's ADHD. And I said, what's that? And they said um, they weren't too sure what it was, but it was a new thing from America. And um, and I thought, great, because now you know what it is, you can treat it. And yeah. he said, well, no, we don't really know how to treat it. Shocker. So they had no idea really what it was or how to deal with him. or And you're just left with it. Mm. So it's like, this is your problem. Yeah. You know, there was nothing. So it carried on like that for such a long time. And then he was... Um, you know, he started suffering with anxiety at quite a young age. I'd say about nine or ten, his anxiety started. And then uh, this teacher he loved left, and that was it. Like, school exploded. He he didn't want to go. He would throw a chair at a teacher in the classroom. He was angry. Mm, you know, yeah. there was anger going on there. Mm. But I wasn't, I wasn't clear on why he was hang- angry. You know, what is this all about? Where is it all coming from? Yeah. Everywhere I went, no one had any answers. So he had psychiatric treatment. We was going every month to the psychiatrist and we'd sit and talk for an hour and that was it. And you'd leave the room and then you go, what was that all about? I don't 
Nothing is changing. I was doing it for years. Mm. Nothing is changing. That's all I kept noticing. Nothing's changing. I don't understand what, what this is all about. And so I kept searching and searching, and, and then it got worse as he got older. So when he was about... When it started, when he was going to secondary school, I knew he wasn't going to cope. Mm. Because he was in one classroom, one teacher, and that was probably enough for him. Um, to go from secondary school, you know, different classrooms, different teachers, a thousand more kids was completely overwhelming yeah. for him. And he couldn't cope. He was there for three months and he came home and he said, I don't want to go to school anymore, I don't like it. And I was dragging him out of bed in the morning, and which is another trauma for him. So I was literally dragging, he's screaming and crying. I'm like, you have to go to school, it's the law, you know, you've yeah. got to go to school. Mm. And I couldn't understand why he was struggling in school. Mm. You know, it's what all kids do. And then, so he was like, see, he was my third, but I've got five children, and he was always on the outside. I felt like there was this group of kids here, and he was over here. It was so different mm. to, to those. And I couldn't understand why these could cope and he couldn't. Mm. I just couldn't understand it at that time. And then he just... Um, Did that trouble you? Oh, God, yeah. Did you I knew something was wrong with him. Yeah. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what. And every time we went to a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever it was... I knew it wasn't going to do anything, but I didn't know what else to do. I know. We, we talk about it's our little thing, you see. It is. It's all very, very great going to see yeah. these people. They say, and they can spend all this money getting you, getting them, for them to try and understand yeah. your problem. Yes, I think we've understood it, Yeah. but now try and change it. Well, so, because this was for years, this was happening. And then, so when he was, so he stopped going to school and I thought, yeah, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. So I phoned the school and I said, he doesn't want to come to school and I'm not going to force him. Like, you need to help me. And um, so then I had to go to Senko meetings every fortnight. What's a Senko meeting? Which is a special educational needs. Okay. Uh, Can I love a label? Yeah, label. Label. So special <laughs> educational needs is Sen <laughs> now. They call it. it. Used to be Senko now. It's called Sen. And yeah. um, and I thought great because I don't know what to do. They're yeah. special needs. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course I know what to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I went, and every fortnight for a year. I went to these meetings and nothing was happening. And it's like they were just all sitting around talking about what needed to happen and nothing actually happened. And um, and then one day, they, and then I was getting really frustrated and, uh, and you're assigned to social work. And I was like, what is supposed to be the point of me? I don't understand what is happening here. Like, what, when is something going to change? When am I going to see something different? Because mm. life at home was absolute hell, absolute mm. hell. Because he, he couldn't control his behaviour no. at all. He was... Um, you know, if I give you an example, I'd come home from work one day and it, he, he had the Argos catalogue in his hands and he was doing it. And he's come up to me and he's like, Mum, Mum, look at this, look at this. The new Xbox, yeah. is that, whatever it was. Yeah. The new Xbox, it's only £199. And I go, oh yeah, great, great. Yeah, Mum, Mum, can I get this for my birthday? Now, this might have been February, his birthday was July. Right. So I was like, well, always say you're round about your birthday. No, no, mum, mum, can I have it? Why can't I have it? Please let me have it. Why can't I have it now? You might as well get it now. It'd be much cheaper now than what it would you know? and, yeah. and he would not stop. It, looked, it was like a barrage of, like, please let me, why can't I have it? Why can't I have it now? I don't understand why you won't let me get And I'd be like, Lee, I've got other birthdays before yours. Let me, when we get to your birthday, like, let me see. And then, it, you know, and then I'd be like, right, now stop. Stop this now. No, no more stop. And he wouldn't. And I'd, I'd, I'd have to go and shut myself in the bedroom because yeah. and they'd be knocking on the door. Why can't I have it? Why can't I have it? Why can't I have it? Oh my God, what are you trying? And this was everything. Like this wasn't just a one-off. It was everything. And it, you know, I'd get up in the morning, the back door would be wide open, and he'd be gone. 
mm. when he was about 14 years old, he'd be gone. And he wouldn't think anything of, like, leaving the door open all night. You know, it's like... I was walking around my house like a jailer. I'd have keys and yeah. locks everywhere because he would leave everything open. I'd come home from work. My street door's wide open. No one's in the house. Mm. You know, so he was he was doing that. He'd, he'd go to his uncle's house because his uncle, they liked to play them games together. So he'd go there and he'd phone me and he'd say, oh, you know, don't worry about me tonight. I'm not coming home. I'm staying at Collins. And I'd say, okay, fine. And then at three o'clock in the morning, he'd be throwing stones at my window because I'd lock the door. Why have you locked the door? Because yeah. I'm in bed asleep, you know, in case someone comes and slits my throat in the yeah. night, you know. Yeah. So we had that for years. All of that kind of stuff was going on for years. And um, and again, like his, he wasn't going to school and there was there was nothing. There was no help. And so, uh, you know, one so at the last Senko meeting, I remember they said, um, Jackie, if you don't get Lee back to school, we're going to take you to court. And I said, great, take me to court because the judge might actually do something. Because yeah. I've been coming to these meetings for a year and you've done nothing. Yeah. So let's take it to court, I said, and something might actually happen. Mm. And they realised, they all kind of sat around, looking around each other at the table and realised they'd done nothing for a year, but talk about it. Mm. Um, well, that's what they, that's what I don't mean to say, but, no, but that doesn't just happen in that meeting. No. That's happening across, it, no. the across the board. It's all, let's talk yeah. about it and solve nothing. Yeah. And that's where, as long as we're aware of it, we're yeah. doing something about it, but it doesn't and there was help all this, the individual. Let's get him statemented. We need to get him statemented. So when he's statemented in primary school, it means that he's got a chance of going to yeah. a special needs school in, you know, when he goes to secondary. Right. So we fought to get him statemented. Nothing happened once he was statemented. It was like... What was the point in all that then? Yeah. So he went to mainstream school anyway. He got no extra help. Their extra help is extra help with maths, and an hour of extra maths, an hour of English or reading. That is not what he needed. He needed help with his mental health. Yes. He was mentally unwell, yeah. um, and no one was addressing that. He, he was seen as dysfunctional. He was naughty. He was bad. He was, he, he was unable to focus and concentrate. You know, He was all these things, mm. and he was none of that. You know, but that's what I fed him for such a long time. That he's so dysfunctional. Why can't he just behave like normal kids? You know, you're so naughty. You're such a bad boy. Why can't you just behave yourself? And and that's so that's who he thought he was. Mm. You know, growing up, that's all he'd ever been told. You're naughty. You're dysfunctional. So it's uh, reinforcing. It's reinforcing. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's yeah. just reinforcing. Yeah. Reinforcing yeah. yeah, you're bad. You're bad. Yeah. You're bad. You're bad. So yeah. enough times you become bad. Exactly. Yeah. And so that when he was about 13 years old, he took an overdose. Uh, oh. uh, but he only took about four tablets. But he thought he took enough to kill himself. And yeah. that was the that was the point. So when I get to the hospital and the doctors were like, "Don't worry, he's only taking four tablets." I said, "Yeah, but he thought he was killing himself." Yeah. With those that's more of a problem. That's why. That's yeah, more worrying. Yeah. I don't care how many he took. He actually thought. That was going to kill him. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's all right. Said, but he's all right, look. And then they said, he needs psychiatric help. I was like, yeah. he's been having psychiatric help since he was four. Um, and I was like, oh, really? Like, really shocked that he was. And um, so they'd write a letter to his doctor, and then the doctor got in touch with me, mm. and then he'd start all over again, this process. It was just, it was exhausting for everybody. And then when he was 16, he did it again, but he took more tablets this time, and they had to pump his stomach. And again, referred him healthy, for psychiatric yeah. help. And mm. so... We would go to see these psychiatrists and, and we'd be in a, like this and I'd be talking to him and he'd be like this. Oh. That's how he'd be in, in, a, in a meeting, a therapy meeting. Really? Uh, he wouldn't sit there without me because he didn't, he didn't want to talk to me. So he wouldn't engage? He wouldn't engage. And, and this was the biggest, I mean, just ridiculous statement of all was they put down on these that they couldn't see him anymore because he refused to engage. 
Right. And I'd be like, yeah, that is the problem. Like, he, he struggles to engage. Yeah. That is the issue. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't engage me, I can't help him. So then he's like, what do you do with that? Yeah. What do you do with that? So as a mother, you're totally lost. I bet you're pulling your hair out. I was pulling my hair out. I knew yeah. something was wrong. I thought, I need to find someone who knows what they're doing. Like, I need to find someone who can help him. And, and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. I was going everywhere. I was paying for private assessments. And I thought maybe someone in Harley Street would be better than a, than a local doctor. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, you're yeah. getting exactly. the same, the same thing. thing. And then and I paid 1,500 quid for this assessment. And uh, it came out he had ADHD. <laughs> That's <laughs> that what... was the result of it at the end. I was like, I already know that. Yeah. I know he's got ADHD. And so it went on like that. And then when he was 19 years old, he, um, again, I didn't realise the, the impact that this had. He, I'd come home from work and uh, he was doubled up in pain on the floor. And he's saying to me, uh, oh, sorry, before then, he was saying, Mum, I almost died today. I choked on a piece of apple. And I said, all right, you didn't. You know, you're fine. You're all right. No, you don't understand. <clears throat> Nobody was here to help me and I was choking. And I didn't realise what that did to him. And I said, you know, well, you're fine. You're fine, though, Lee. Don't worry about it. You're all right. Within two months, I came home from work. He's laying on the floor, doubled over in pain. And he's, and he's like crying on the floor. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, oh, Mum, I'm in so much pain. My stomach's in so much pain. I think it's my appendix. So I got him in my car, rushed into Basin Hospital. Um, and they did a scan on his stomach. And it was his bowel was packed out where he'd stopped eating and was just having protein shakes because he was terrified of eating right because he was frightened of choking before he choked to death yeah. if he yeah. ate anything solid right. so what he was doing i was coming home from work for night and cooking him a dinner and when i was leaving the room he's in the bin and oh. then just having protein shakes right. and so so again the doctor said pulled me to one side and said like your son's got psychiatric um, problems and <laughs> i I know he's been having psychiatric help since he was four and and now he's like 19 and now he's got this eating disorder as well now. Right. And um, they said, oh, well, we, we're going to refer you for psychiatric treatment. And that's all he kept getting, psychiatric treatment. And, and nothing was working. And he would go and nothing was, nothing was happening. And then he would get so disheartened. He's like, Mum, what is the point? He's like, you don't understand. This is, I've just got to live with this. This is how I am. And so, you know, he felt like I was forcing him to do all this therapy because you're desperate, yeah. desperate to help him. Because yeah. yeah. he just wanted to die. He didn't want to be here. Yeah. So just quickly, so at some point you must have lost faith in it all. Oh, good, yeah. Because, you know, these experts aren't really experts at all. They're no. just, they're not really actually. Well, and I think... They're really good at just doing analysis yeah. and sticking labels on stuff yeah. and then coming back to the same conclusion that you was told at four, at seven, at 12, yeah. all the rest of it. And so it didn't really benefit you and it didn't really benefit, really benefit Lee. No. And so therefore that must have then perpetuated more worry and, and looking for more things and it must have taken its toll on you massively. Oh, I mean, it was, it's consumed my life. Yeah. You know, like we were saying before about consuming your life. It was everything about my whole, my whole motherhood was about his ADHD. You know, once he was here, it was ADHD for the yeah. last 33 years. So what changed? Yeah. So when did it start to change? Not like it now, is No, no. There is hope, right? There, there, is, is, hope. Hope. there right. is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Okay, great. Um, and, and I honestly wished God I knew all of this when he was three and four years old because yeah. I would do it all so differently now. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, business networking doing something completely different and um, met a lady who was a homeopath 
and uh, I honestly never been exposed to any kind of like natural healing at all mm. and so I just thought it was rubbish and I you know I wouldn't listen when she should do a minute and you go oh yeah she's a naturopath and that was it yeah and she talks about these essential oils and again like I wasn't interested and I was switched off at the time because he was he was so he was just suicidal at the time he didn't want to be here and and I used to go to those business at me just get away for an hour to mm. be honest it's like I've I need to clear my head and figure out my next step, you yes. know. And, and and so I'd be in those meetings, but I'd be thinking about him and what I needed to do and not yeah. really listening. And so uh, the next, I met her again a couple of weeks later. Same thing. She gave everyone a little bottle of wild orange. And I, I remember thinking, that smells nice. Put it in my bag. Thought nothing of it. Three weeks later, I saw again this young girl had a meltdown at this meeting. And uh, Jenny did some EFT with her. Okay. And using the oils, right? So I, the night before, Minnie's telling me, Mum, I don't want to be here anymore. You don't understand what this is like for me. I can't, the panic attacks was killing him. Like, they were horrendous. They terrified him. Mm. I used to get phone calls from psychiatric doctors saying, your son's walked in off the street. He thinks he's having a heart attack. It's a panic attack. He needs psychiatric help. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that came, that came around a lot. And so <sighs> he... So I see her do this session of EFT with this girl and, and using the oils. I'd never seen therapy like it. And I said, this girl was like transformed in front of me. And, I, and, and the words, like the questions Jenny was asking, I'd never heard in any therapy session before. And I thought, what is this? This yeah. is new. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to Jenny, I think I need you to come see my son. And she said, yeah, sure. She's like really like, you know, bubbly and yeah. yeah I'll come see him I was like no you don't understand he's he's suicidal she was that's fine you know don't worry about it I'll come see him yeah so she came four days later and he's bear in mind he's nearly 28 years old 28 year old man and you're telling him some lady's coming yeah, to do see. this yeah yeah do tapping tap and oils, oils like that. and yeah. he thinks I've totally lost, <laughs> lost the plot yeah he's completely like, yeah what mum he's like why do you keep putting me through this I was like Lee I don't know what else to do yeah like please just try it if it doesn't work you haven't you, you don't have to do it again right He's, so he's willing to try it. And then she came in and, and I think instantly, like if you've got that spark with a therapist, it really helps. helps. Like he, yeah. really, he felt really relaxed and comfortable with her. And so I left them on their own and I said to him, I need you to tell her everything. I don't care if it's about me. I don't care what it is. Just get it out. Just tell her how you're feeling. She's let her help you. And um, I left them for about 90 minutes. And when I walked back in the room, somebody else was sitting there. Like it, it had a massive impact on him. And... Mm. Um, he his panic attacks didn't go completely, but they reduced enough where he could cope with them. Yeah. So I haven't seen a doctor since that day. Mm. I've, I've not needed to because yeah. that was my journey into natural health. Right. Yeah. So that was the first thing. Um, we then I then looked for a naturopath, um, and they helped him with like nutrition and stuff like that. But all of it was like helping him. He was you know, I could just see him getting better and better. Yeah. And then Wendy Smith. Came along, who you guys know. Yeah. Wendy does something very Wendy, sa- Wendy was saying a little wave up there, so if you are watching oh, Wendy. I did Wendy wave. Yeah, oh, I, I did, but I didn't, didn't want to break the flow. No, I, don't know. I, I love start. you, Wendy. Yeah. Yeah, so Wendy, yeah, we love you, Wendy. came along and did some, uh, it's very similar to what you guys do. It's not yeah. the DTO, but it's on a similar, similar kind thing. of level. Yeah, I've experienced it, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. me and Wendy um, swaps, it's very good. And again, did, did, did her session with him and again changed them again, and he's not seen a doctor since that day. So that was. 2016 all of that started so in i'd say in the last four years he's probably had he's probably seen jenny and wendy two times each so four sessions he's had over four years wow wow it's incredible to go from 
my whole life being doctors. Yeah. Years and years. To never having to see yeah. one. And also yeah. being told that he needs psychiatric help. Yeah. But just in four sessions. <laughs> you know? Yeah, four sessions. I mean, possible. after 28 years of trauma. Yeah. For you and him. Yeah, yeah, for both of us. Of psychologists just asking questions or... In just, a different way. In, yeah. In a completely, completely different way. Different way. Yeah. yeah. You know, and drilling down yeah. to get to the root cause rather than... Cause and effect. Constantly yeah. reliving his tra- trauma. Trauma over and over again. You yes. know, like... Constantly making them run it in their head yeah. and talk about it and... Yeah. yeah so they tell just, me about this depression. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's reinforce and it. By yeah. the time he left, <laughs> Let's reinforce the depression. He literally just wanted yeah. to kill himself by the yeah, time he left because right. he's talking about how depressed he feels. Yeah. You know, rather than how do you want to feel? Yeah, yeah. how do you want to feel? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there was a massive difference, like instantly in the questioning with Jenny. I was like, where did those questions come from? I've never heard that. Yeah. And so I went on, I trained in EFT, mm-hmm. um, and then meeting Wendy and I trained in NLP and language. Okay, to yeah. me, was Language. the key. Yes. So I was different. I realised, looking back now, a lot of my behaviour caused his behaviour. Yeah. And I wasn't recognising what we was all doing to him. And now it kills... I mean, it kills me sometimes to think about him being like nine, ten years old and he, he had no safety area, you know? No one understood him. Mm. So I'm... Why can't you just behave yourself at home? School was the same. Do as you're told. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had no friends. Like, he f- struggled to make friends because he f- just thought he was this bad person. And what he actually told Jenny, never told, I've never heard him say that before, was, um, so I've got a daughter called Stacey who's very, like, life and soul of the party, very bubbly, yeah. full of confidence, total opposite, you know. Yeah. And he said to Jenny, in my heart, I feel like Stacey, but I don't know how to bring that person out. Oh. that was like a knife in my chest I was like oh, why didn't I see that Yeah, I never saw that in him yeah. you know but and the good thing on the upside of it was that it is in him it is in him it is in him and it's just a case yes. of being able to bring that yeah. out yeah. from yeah. a positive perspective yeah and he he with, like there's a total program in place now that, that I don't feel the need for the, for the doctor and I know I hate that word empowerment I do hate it because it's yeah. banded around a lot these days but I do feel empowered by that, by my knowledge now and what I know. Yes. And, the, and the oils were brilliant. You know, they helped him. Just smelling an oil like that he loved just instantly would calm him. Yeah. And so that was a great tool for him to just have. And as I was saying, they're all tools, having all these tools. Yeah. He now manages his condition. Yeah. I'll never get a phone call from him now saying, I can't breathe, I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was convinced he had a heart problem and no one was listening to him. Yeah. Um, and so he was always going into hospitals, having ECGs, and all of it was oh, his mind. Yeah, all, all of in his it. mind. All in his mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, and and when but when people say that to you, it's all in your mind. It's like they they you're saying you're imagining it. And yeah, that's not it's not what, what you're imagining. No, it's, no, not. it's, it's not. not what it is. Yeah, or at you're all. making it up, or yeah. or you're mental in some yeah. way. Yeah, it's what not you what it actually is. absolutely believe of yourself. Yes. This is who I am. I'm this bad person. I'm never going to be where I don't know how to behave myself. It's your identity. Yeah. It's your identity. Your identity. Yeah. 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 And you're running these beliefs, and often yeah. out of shock, like when he what choked yeah. on the apple, that created a trauma and thoughts in his mind yeah. and then later it drove on, the behaviour drove the behaviour yeah. to have the, the, the shakes instead of yeah. food and it made him ill but it came from that trauma yeah. not in his mind not so everything that's why me and Steve are always saying everything is to do with this and this yeah. everything's it's in the mind not everything. anything out there yeah. um, so and, it, and it's you know when he um, uh, so when he that happened to him they put him on medication mm. 
Um, and I, he had an antidepressant and he took one. And about midnight, he's come like just knocking on the bedroom door. He's like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like banging his head. Help me, you've got to help me. And I've sort of like run into the hallway. I was like, what's wrong, what's wrong? He's like, mum. And his eyes were like this. Like if I had, if I didn't know, I think he'd taken it. Yeah. You know, yeah. something. And, um, and I knew he'd had a reaction to the medication. I was like, get in the car. I rushed him to Basin Hospital and they instantly saw he'd had a reaction to the medication. Mm. And um, so they gave him some diazepam just to calm him down. It's like, look, when he wakes up in the morning, he's, he'll be fine, but don't give him any more. Take him back to your doctor. Mm. And um, we got home from the hospital and he's holding my hands so tight and he's begging me to watch him sleep and not let him die. Oh, so, oh, oh. so I knew he didn't want to die. No, you know, right. so the he whole times know. when he's saying, I can't, I don't want to be here anymore. I knew that he was <sighs> desperate to just get out of the situation. It's yeah. not that he wanted to die. And he was... You know, he's like begging me, Mum, please watch me. If I fall asleep, watch me. Make sure I don't die. I, I don't stop breathing. I was like, Lee, you're not... God, I mean, he's a killer. Yeah, yeah like, I can tell. I still mean, it's not even my son and I'm feeling it. Really it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And when he, he fell asleep, eventually that like, fell asleep, I just absolutely sobbed my heart out. But I think more for the fact that how much longer is this going to go on? Yeah. That I can't help him. Yeah. I can't help him. And I, I used to look at him and think that there's this trapped soul in this mind and I don't know how to break through that mind and free you mm. that's how I felt yes and it's a lot you know I felt really frustrated about all yeah. That. yeah I just yeah. want to make because we're nowhere you've got to dash off yeah we've got eight minutes left until the hour's up yeah so we just want to sort of wrap it up now yeah. and get to the final bit so yeah. um I think so what advice would you actually give parents that are going through this journey right now what is the advice that you could give anybody whose child is, or they're experiencing what you're going through or have been through? Yeah, oh, definitely. The first, I mean, I know when he was little now, and it's just through, like, we do wellbeing days now, and we have a lot of therapists come along and they do talks, and I absolutely believe that when Lee was screaming at birth, he was in pain. Mm. So, you know, somebody like yourself or a cranial sacral, like, who can manipulate and release the pain? I, yeah. I absolutely believe, because that was a trauma. You know, yeah. him being in that much pain as a baby and never being dealt with was a trauma. Yeah. And so it's like all these traumas, and you think about, like, I always say to people, someone says to me, my baby's are screaming, the first thing I say is, um, did you have a C-section? And they'll generally, yeah, I did. Right. It's a trauma, like birth oh traumas. And I'd never heard of a birth trauma 33 years ago. And that, so it's... You know, so we start educating people about birth traumas and I get them down the right path to the right therapist and dealing with it as, you know, again, picking up all these tools along the way. ADHD, for me, is all about mental trauma. It's all about, and it can even come from before birth, you know, even in the womb. Yeah. You know, they're absorbing everything that's going on around them. And I know that sounds a bit crazy, but I absolutely believe it. And And the thing is... The medical world has no answers no, for don't. ADHD. They have no answers. No. So why would you keep going down that road? Like I wasted, I felt, 27 years of his life yeah. going down that road and coming up a brick wall every single time. That goes to my thing. Change or nothing will change. I exactly. say it all the time. Yeah. Exactly. If you keep on doing something and it's not working, stop yeah. doing it. Yeah. Stop doing it. And we talk and, about and, this and all the time. And the thing the is, time. I know what, a lot of the work that Wendy does is it is around working with the parents and their mindset. And when you change around your children, their behaviour will change. Yeah. And that, that will happen. That and, also happens in a social environment yeah. as well because we naturally 
subconsciously copy and, uh, and absorb other people's behaviour. So yeah. it happens at every level, really, going from it that, does. even at a social level. Yeah. You can even see it in the workplace. When people can change the workplace, Absolutely. it has an effect on them as well. Absolutely. It has a and now, effect. when I, you know, I meet a lot of parents who've got children with ADHD, they start telling me their stories, and I can pick up all along the way <laughs> what yeah. is going on, what has caused it, what created that particular piece of drama. You know, so it is just about educating yourself. It's like, get out there, meet these therapists, um, t- talk to the people like yourselves and find out what you can do to help your child. You know, don't rely on the doctor. They're not going to fix your kid. Don't rely on the school. It's not their job to fix your kid, to be honest. It's like when, when yeah. they have a duty of care when your children are there, but it's not their job to fix them. And I think right. there's so much pressure on schools and teachers now. Would you well, say... to educate, not yeah. fix. Yeah. That's their job, is education, yeah. not would, fixing. Would you say the problem, though, exists in the fact that what's happening is, like yourself, you're going to a situation where uh, you're going to an expert, the expert then tells you, well, there's this and this and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. It then takes you, it then probably prevents many people that are experiencing it ever taking further action yeah, because does. they have a belief now that, well, it is what it is. It's yeah. fine I, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And it stops them going to Well, look. they have so, these uh, educational care plans now. So that one uh, the parent will say to me, no, it's, it's fine. I've got an educational care plan in place now. I go, great, I'll see you in six months. Yeah. And I do. Mm. I see them in six months yeah. and they're pulling the hair out and they're saying... Yeah. What do I need to do? Yeah. And so we get them on a program of what they need to do. Yeah. So, what uh, what have you learned from this? What what what? If there's three learnings that you had from this, what what would the main learnings be? That you it is the main people? thing is when it's not working, you, you can't keep doing the same thing, and that's what I was doing, and it's yeah. because I didn't know anything else. Yeah. You know, and I think this stuff is not mainstream. And it's not out there, and they, and we, you know, we are up against the fact that the medical world don't believe in any of the stuff that we do. Because they're um, so successful, obviously, the school, by the, the sound of it. It's not allowed. <laughs> they wouldn't be allowed to introduce it. Yeah. So no. you've got this system in place, and everyone's like, you know, we're all like sheep. We just follow the system, and it's not working. And we go, well, well, this is just how it is. This is just yeah. how it is, and we accept that. We accept it. But yeah. I didn't ever accept that. I'm like, no, there's something else. There's something else. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And so yeah, it is. It is about. Don't keep doing the same thing and expecting yeah, change. Just, you are never yeah. going to get change no. um, with the system that you're following now. Okay. It's not going to happen. So if anyone watching wanted to contact you yeah. and their sons or their child, daughter, was going through ADHD, how can they contact you? Uh, so I've got a website called Essential Beings, essentialbeings.co.uk. You can contact me through there. You can contact me on Facebook. Again, I've got a page called Essential Beings. And um, I educate people about a lot of different things. You know, I, you know, therapists like yourself, like Wendy. We've got naturopaths and um, nutritionists, and they'll, they'll come along and they do all these little talks. So I put that all on the page, like little things that I think helped him mm. um, build up his health, build up his confidence, and changed his life. Yeah. Um, and so I talk about it all the time on those pages, and that you can come along and join and just learn about the oils. Again, it was just a simple tool. You know, they, they helped him sleep, and yeah. that gave me... Sleep. Because <laughs> when you're not sleeping... You know, yeah. when you've got a young child who's ADHD and is not sleeping, the stress levels are extortionate. Yeah. You need your sleep. Like, everybody's... You do, you need sleep. That's why they, that's how they torture you in a prison of war, sleep deprivation. Yeah. And when you're getting, like, two or three hours a night, and then you've got to get up and go to work or look after smaller children, or it is soul-destroying. Mm. It really yeah. is. Because you think... There's no end to this. 
this is my life with this kid. Mm. I've got a mentally ill child and this is my life and there's no answers. Mm. And that is just... Yeah, that's yeah. horrible. But how's Lee now, very quickly? He's brilliant he's now. Brilliant so now. he's like right. 33 years old now. He's got a girlfriend, Sean, and they've got a baby called Ethan James. Wow. Ethan, wow. Ethan will be two yeah. in March. Never thought I'd ever see him with his own that's family. That's fantastic. That's amazing. He's he's, well done, he's now yeah. helping a dad who's who's got a, who's diagnosed with bipolar. Right. Uh, he he helps him now, you know, and he brilliant. tries to show him new ways to deal that's with stuff. Fantastic. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's that's doing great. really well. He's brilliant. Brilliant. Cool. That's well. I've got to say, that's a great place to finish. Yeah. So we'll yeah. leave it on a real positive note. Thank yeah. Jackie, thank you ever so yes, much for coming you. along yes. and sharing your journey because I know. Obviously, from what we've just heard, that whole journey must have been, you know, one hell of a mission yeah. for you. But now you're sitting here being able to tell about, you know, the success of where Lee is now and obviously what you're doing and how you're helping people. And yeah. I think it's great. I mean, we've got some, since we've got some, you've helped us um, with the talks that we do. It's a really great. I mean, you're an amazing human being. I think yeah, you should give yourself you. credit. And, thank uh, you. And uh, so, yeah, so it's, a, it's amazing. You got anything to say, Jonathan, before we um, close out? No, just anyone out there listening, just... If you're struggling, just call Jackie. She knows what she's talking about. And don't keep beating down that same door with the medical route. Yeah. Uh, if it's not helping you, we always say if it's not working, do the opposite. Yeah, change or do nothing something will better. change. Do something different. Just, I say it all the time. You don't have to suffer. We keep trying to instill it. There's no reason for people to suffer ever. Um, unless you choose it unless unless, <laughs> you're, you, unless, well, unless yeah. you have a belief yeah. that says you can't like Jackie had yeah. um, but yes if anyone wants help then just contact Jackie and, and the fantastic. thing is there's no there's no harm no it's just like no try harm. it it's not, if it yeah. doesn't work it's certainly not going to yeah. harm them yeah so, so yeah it's a no brainer for me yeah that's right. there's no side effects is there no, no side negative effects. side effects unlike what happened when yeah. you're in yeah. the hospital yeah, you, yeah. So you don't you don't get that with natural therapy exactly so yeah there's a lot they can do a lot Great. Thanks, okay, Jackie. mate. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Jackie, again. So, uh, well, thank you for joining us for this uh, this week's or this episode of uh, the Inside Outfit podcast. Thank you. Um, as you can imagine, uh, uh, we're t- totally overwhelmed with Jackie being here and sharing her story, and we're really, really grateful for that. Yeah. Um, if you want to contact, uh, or if you want to work in with any of us um, that are in this team tonight, you can contact Jonathan on uh, his website, which is www.decodingpain.com. You can contact Jackie on on essentialbeings.co.uk and also there's a Facebook page as well and she does all the stuff with the uh, natural oils and then you can or you can contact with Humble Me today um, who's taken a back seat (laughs) Uh, but it's been great and you can contact me on healingthemind.co.uk you can go to uh, if you want to uh, if you have a business or you would like us to work with your staff uh, you can go to the inside-outeffect.co.uk website which has just been recently updated by Jonathan here or you can go to our Facebook page which you're probably on if you're watching on Facebook anyway so um, so yeah Basically, so there's lots of ways to contact us loads of ways to contact us there's no excuse no um, like no. I always say change or nothing will change and uh, so we want to thank Jackie again for joining us today Jonathan thank, thank you very you. very much we're off for Chinese <laughs> Starving, I'd yeah. Have I'm, the food. Chinese, I'm not but... sure I'd want to have the person, but okay, I think that's illegal these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break it now. Thanks for joining us, thanks for uh, listening, and we will see you on the next episode of the Inside Out Effect podcast. So from Jackie, goodbye, and from Jonathan, much. good night, and from me, good night, good night. <laughs>